Welcome to another episode of Left Coast Sports with John Schaefer. And this week, I'll be joined by Brian Stensas of the Minneapolis Star Tribune. We'll preview the upcoming U.S. Open at Torrey Pines here in San Diego, with this being just the second time the Torrey has ever hosted the event. The first was back in 2008, that memorable Monday playoff between Tiger Woods and Rocco Mediate, with Woods eventually capturing his third U.S. Open title and 14th major championship. There are plenty of storylines heading into this year's U.S. Open, including Phil Mickelson, hoping to capture lightning in a bottle and win his first ever U.S. Open here in his hometown of San Diego. But as always, before we get started with today's episode, please give us an auto-download on your podcast platform so you get future episodes automatically. Left Coast Sports is on most podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, the free iHeartRadio app, YouTube, and Spotify. You can leave a review as well, and I'd appreciate it if you followed me on Twitter, at John Schaefer, J-O-N-S-C-H-A-E-F-F-E-R, at John Schaefer. The Torrey Pines South Course is one of the most challenging courses in the world and will serve as the backdrop for this year's U.S. Open. Who are the favorites? How will the course play? Is Torrey in line to host future major championships? That and more in my conversation right now with Brian Stensas. You know, the last time the U.S. Open, Brian was at Torrey Pines, only two players shot under par, and we had that classic, obviously. Would that be your expectations this time around, or do you think the course will play drastically differently than 2008? I would, I would hope, well, I shouldn't say actually, I would hope, I would think that we'll have more than two players duking it out at the end uh, under par and, um, and that'll be it. I, you know, I, I don't, they're not going to go crazy low at a course like that. I don't think, but certainly just given the talent and the, the, the scores from, you know, some of the majors and just the recent events we've had, um, I just think it's the influx too of just the younger crowd, younger talent that's come on tour in the last uh, um, 13 years, um, even the last five years. I just think that the scores are reflecting that the, the talent is out there and it's a lot better. And I would expect, I would expect some under par scores at the end there more than, more than two. Is it a little bit of a fine line typically for the USGA in terms of trying to protect the integrity of the score, but also not trying to make the course either too hard or too difficult? Yeah, they, they want viewership. I mean, people like people like to see players. Now, there there are some people who like to see players struggle because the weekend golfers like myself, you know, that's what we would do. <laughs> and these courses, like, hey, that they can make a bogey too. Um, but the majority of your casual golf fans who t- tune in four times a year want to see players making long putts, uh, you know, putting the ball, sticking the ball close, and, and making birdies. They want to see those red numbers. And I think the USGA is aware of that, but the USGA also doesn't want the final score to be 21 over or 21 under at the end of the week. They want to say, look what we can do. So I think it's somewhere in the middle. I, I, I think they want good scores. They know the fans want low scores, but they also want to show that they can set up a course that's going to be difficult. And, you know, Mike Davis on his way out uh, at the USGA, I think is going to put a really good course together. He's, I think he's going to go out with a bang. I think he's probably got a few tricks up his sleeve at, for Tory. What makes this South course so unique and challenging and such a good course to host an event like this? I just think the uniqueness of it, the, the terrain, uh, the, the views that you can get, um, you know, with now with, with drone coverage and everything else, like I said, it's all about the eye. It's all about the fan and people who are clicking through, you know, if you're just going to see a tree lined golf course, they might not stop. But if you get that drone footage of the, I don't know the word exact cliffs or, you know, whatever that, that terrain is out there. It's just so gorgeous and beautiful. And it's, it's like Pebble beach, Torrey pines, those you can, you can recognize them almost immediately. And it's just one of those special courses that, 
you know, even when it's just a normal, like a farmer's event, you know, it's there, you can recognize it right away. And that's what makes it so special is just, just the uniqueness of it. And, you know, the course itself, it's, it's, it's got a little funkiness to it. And, and I think, and the players will acknowledge that right away. And um, even, like I said, even, even casual fans, I think can recognize that this is not your typical golf course and um, it's something special. And that's why, you know, it gets events like this because the USGA loves it. And I think the players gravitate toward it. They like playing there. Phil Mickelson has had a little bit of a love hate relationship with Tory. I don't think he's won there in 20 years since all the way back in 2001. Obviously he's coming off that marvelous weekend for the PGA championship, but what are your expectations for, for Phil this time around? I think Phil's going to have a little bit of a pep in his step and why wouldn't he after what happened, you know, um, at, at the, at the PGA championship. And, you know, he realizes that he's, um, he, he knows that he's, he's in his fifties now. And, and um, you know, this is probably his life, you know, he's, he's getting down his last few shots at completing that grand slam and what better place to do it at a, at in, in Southern California and Torrey, right. At his uh, nearest home. But also, um, you know, can lightning strike twice? You know, I don't know that, that performance you put on, I think the last time I talked with you, John, you asked me about him and I said, ah, you know, he's, he's going to remember the, the losses more than the wins and he's at the end of his career. And then like two weeks later, he shut me up and he goes out and wins the thing. So um, that's going to be great. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch and see if he can do it again. Um, yeah. And of course that he maybe has the best luck at, and certainly an event that he hasn't had the best luck at. Um, you know, Phil talked a lot about the mental side of his game, uh, during the pandemic and, and at once golf started up again and now in the beginning of 2021, just how, you know, he's, he's really focused a lot on, you know, his, his mentality on the course, not just his, his swing structure and everything else. And maybe he found something there, but you also have to wonder if he shoots a couple of good rounds there and to start out, is he going to start to wonder, is he going to start to think back to winged foot and all the other, you know, times that he's been so close. Um, but then again, Tory finds a completely different animal for him. Um, so he's, I'm sure he's going to have, like you said, love, hate. I think there's going to be some good, some bad, but the golf will take care of itself. Is any of his legacy at this point still tied to the U S open failures or has he overcome that with all the other success he's had elsewhere? I certainly think he's overcome it. I mean, he's done enough in his career and this last chapter is still being written, but what, what he did at the PGA championship is just, it's, it's put a lot of that. Maybe those, oh, Phil's dropped off, um, conversation to bed i mean he is he's not among the favorites maybe but he's certainly you know you, you can't forget about him and you know I, i've said before i think the i think all the runner-up finishes eat at him and are are a big part of his story and probably what he would mention first is all he said so much success and all the green jackets and all the other uh majors and all the other wins but he also knows how close he's come and you know, when you talk about just those select few who have been able to get the grand slam and he's not one of them. He's come so close. I certainly think that is going to still be a major part of his story, but what he did at, at uh, the PGA championship is certainly probably erased some of that doubt, or at least that recent doubt, you know, why are you still playing? You go play on the champions tour. You're 50 You're, you know, you're, you're, you're mowing down that field. Why not just play that every week? And I think he showed why is that he's not done on the, on the regular PGA tour. I wanted to ask you about another local golfer in Xander Shoffley, who's from San Diego, played at San Diego State. He's really played well in U.S. Opens, although he didn't yeah. play well in the PGA Championship. What do you expect maybe from Xander, who's a guy that's always been lurking over the last three or four years? Could this be a weekend that he's in contention on Sunday? 
Absolutely. I, I expect, I mean, yeah, the PJ championship wasn't, you know, his best event, uh, clearly a big stumble there, but he's, he's, he's one of those, he's, he's one of the guys that's in the conversation of these, this next wave, these up and coming players. And he's shown in his brief career what, 2017, I think he was the rookie of the year. Um, he, he's got what it takes to compete uh, and he will for a long time. I think, you know, again, you talk about it being home, talk about his history with, you know, his, his dad's the only coach he's ever had. He's got a big family connection, loves the area, you know, maybe didn't play on the course a ton when he was growing up, but certainly knows it. Um, I think I saw earlier this week that and he was there in 2008 as a little kid uh, watching uh, the, the tiger and Rocco uh, go back head to head back and forth. And um, he, uh, it, it just, you know, it, it's home. Right. And it's like we were talking about with Phil. And I think there is something to be said about that. You know, I've, I've asked golfers, about courses, you know, coming back to, oh, you know, you won here before. Does that matter? They, they'll say, no, it's not really the course because it changes. But when you talk to a golfer about coming home, if you, you know, I'm here in Minnesota, if you talk to a Tom Lehman or you even somebody like a Tim Heron, or you talk to like a Steve Stricker playing in the Midwest or somebody like that, when they get in their comfort zone, they just play better. They, you know, they got people around it. And there's something to be said about that. And with all the talent in the world, which is what clearly Xander has, um, yeah, I, I definitely have him circled as a player to watch next week. Is there a type of golfer that would perform well typically at a course like Torrey Pines? I'm not sure. Um, God, that's a great question. I, I think now all the players are so accustomed to it, it. Yeah, some play better in different types of grass or the way that a fairway is seated or a green is mowed or something like that, or, you know, a, a certain kind of graduated rough that we'll see in these different courses. But Gosh, now with, with all this technology and all this, you know, these, these, uh, yeah, technology that they have and they can, you know, go out and practice and be like, oh, I, if I, you know, take this and do that and swing a certain way, it's just, it's so much more advanced now, even within the last few years. And you look at like a Bryson DeChambeau situation where he just, he found out a way that he can just bomb that ball better. And it's just a better, it doesn't work for everybody, but he knows it works for him. Somebody is wants, you know, a little bit more less distance, but can be more accurate, that sort of thing. So I don't dance around this question because I'm not really sure. It, it's, I don't know if this type of layout, this type of climate, this type of, you know, the way that the course is really factors one way or the other. I just think guys every week they're ready, no matter where they are. And, and they're, um, I think what's, what's a bigger deal is just what all comes with it. Yeah. It's, it's a, you have a legendary course here. Oh, and by the way, it's a U.S. open. And there's, I think that's kind of the more, what, what players can, you know, just put their head down and go out and play and not worry about all the different flags and all the different countries that are represented and everything else that comes with the U S open. That's so cool. When you're there, the U S open is just a marvelous event. It's so cool to attend. Um, and I think a player that can just be like, yep, I'm going to go out and play no matter where we are. I don't care if we're, you know, somewhere out East, somewhere out West in the deep South, it doesn't matter. We're going to go play golf and I'm going to go win. And I think that's the type of player that's going to be, you know, obviously that's going to come out on top. I wanted to ask you about John Rahm, who had that crazy scenario, obviously, with the positive test at the Memorial with the large lead. He's very familiar with Tory in San Diego. His first win yeah. was at a farmer's insurance. He was engaged, I believe, in San Diego. He spends a lot of time in Southern California. Is he the type of golfer who was playing really brilliant golf that weekend that could bounce back and, and perform well? Yeah, if he plays, I haven't heard if he's been cleared yet. Uh, I think he's still in quarantine. Um, but again, we have you know got some time here yet. I I believe he's still the betting favorite 
uh, right now. Um, and, and why wouldn't he be the way that, I mean, he was, he had that golf tournament one last week. I mean, there was, uh, he was, John Rahm is, he can get a little fiery and he can get a little whatever, but that's not a type of golfer that gives away a six shot lead like that. Um, he had that golf tournament one on a Saturday and, you know, again, John, getting back to that mental side of it, if he can put all that behind, if he can get out and play and I have no idea how much he's been able to practice, what's all, you know, it's with this quarantine thing or what he has to do. I have no idea what the protocols are, but boy, if I were, you know, bottle it, what did you have last week? Um, and take it into the Tory and just blow the field away. It wouldn't surprise me one bit. He, uh, every, you know, every analyst or every, you know, uh, expert way above where I am, as far as knowing what golf's about has said that this is the next guy to break through. He's got everything he can putt. The, the, you know, the greens at Torrey are going to be lightning fast. He likes that. Um, it's going to be, you know, and so absolutely he can, but it all just depends on whether or not he's been able to get out and, and hone his skills. You know, he may, when he swings a club, when he gets on, when he gets on property, it might be the first time he's swung in a while. Who knows? So that's going to be a big question mark, but yeah, I, I think he'll, t- he's, he's a, he's a fiery guy and I think he'll, he'll take some of that and probably maybe, you know, the way that they handled that on the 18th green was just embarrassing, I think. And um, he might want to kind of stick it to him a little bit. Um, even though it's the USGA, not the VHR still, uh, I think, I think he'll take some of that and use it to his advantage. Who are some other names to potentially keep an eye on that could be in contention over the weekend or even as late as the back nine on Sunday? Yeah, I think I don't I don't know if I have anybody really off the board, um, to be honest. I, but, you know, you look at guys that can, you know, you do Justin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, um, you know, guys that can really hit it far. I, I really look for Rory McIlroy. He's it seems like Rory McIlroy's turned the corner a little bit. He, you know, had a kid uh, was figuring some things out, switching out either some clubs or some teachers or both or something like that. It looked like he's maybe turned a little bit, you know, again, at the U.S. Open, or I'm sorry, at the PGA Championship, not as best, but I think still working on some things. And then Jordan Spieth. Talk about a guy who kind of came back from, I'm not going to say nowhere. I mean, he had such, such early success at such a young age, and then he kind of fell off a little bit. But, man, that guy's come back so strong and um, certainly is, um, you know, one that uh, – for you know last year at this time or a year and a half ago you would have never you really thought oh man you know what's wrong with jordan not anymore that's a he's his game has come back full circle and uh he's he's definitely going to be in the mix and then but you know the u.s open i love it because there's just not that any of the qualifiers are gonna have anything to say about it, but there's always some you always see the names on the u.s open that you kind of think huh oh that's right he's playing in this or that's you know they get a couple of these open qualifiers and i Really, you know, some names that aren't going to be there. You know, Jason Day is not going to be there. Ricky Fowler is not going to be there. Um, those are two really big names that you usually would see on the major uh, leaderboard um, that are that aren't going to be there. So that that part of it too, you you might want to look and see. Um, you know, again, I don't have anybody. I'm not I'm not betting or anything, but uh, there's really nobody off the board that I'm thinking of. But um, you know, again, yeah, DJ and 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 Deshambo, um, you know, DeChambeau showed it last year. He's this type of event, type of setup that he can, that he thrives on. And um, yeah, I think at, uh, come Sunday, like you asked me a little while ago, I think there's going to be a good number of people under par. And I think it's going to be a real fun race at the finish. And then lastly for you, Brian, should San Diegans expect that the U.S. Open could return to Torrey? This is only the second trip and the first time in 13 years. Do you think it's in future rotations or is that still to be determined? Oh, I, it, well, 
it's to be determined, but I would, why not? <laughs> Who wouldn't want to come to that part of the country? It's, it's gorgeous. It's a, like I said, it's a special course. I think, um, you know, the, the, the players like it, um, you know, it's, it, it, and, and the USGA likes history too. And I think what happened there in 2008, if we get something next week, similar or some kind of drama or some kind of big thing, you know, like there, people are going to remember, you know, people always think of now the Tiger Woods at Torrey Pines. If something else, you know, kind of gets behind it and you get another uh, fun moment down there, um, uh, the, the memorable moment, they're going to want to come back. Um, you know, me personally, I kind of, I, I like when it's a little closer to home, but we're not going to get anything like that in Minnesota. <laughs> it's, we don't have any, we don't have any USGA uh, style really courses anymore. Um, you know, the Hazeltine won't, isn't, US, isn't a U.S. Open course. Um, you know, Wisconsin has Aaron Hills, but um, hey, if it's not going to be somewhere in my, in my backyard, I'd, why not, you know, bring it back to San Diego, uh, you know, every few years. I, I think everyone would benefit from that. Brian, I appreciate you doing it. We're looking forward to what should be a, a really fun event out here in San Diego next week. And thanks for your insight and knowledge. And I uh, appreciate your time. Absolutely. Anytime, John. Love talking to you. Thanks again to Brian for joining us today. The U.S. Open kicks off Thursday, June 17th on the South Course at Torrey Pines in San Diego. The event is expected to have limited capacity because of COVID-related restrictions in California in the months leading up to the Open. Also, this reminder, the eyes of the world will turn to Tokyo for the Olympic Games this summer. Catch all the action leading up to the Olympic Games with Countdown to Tokyo every Tuesday on Your View. You'll get the latest news on preparations for the Games, details on the sports involved, and in-depth insights into teams, athletes, and the host city. Don't miss Countdown to Tokyo, Tuesdays on Your View. If you haven't already, please subscribe and auto-download future episodes on whichever podcast platform you're listening to this podcast on right now. And please leave a review as well. And once again, follow me on Twitter at John Schaefer, J-O-N-S-C-H-A-E-F-F-E-R at John Schaefer. For previous episodes or more information about Left Coast Sports, visit yourview.com. That's Y-U-R-V-I-E-W.com. Thanks for listening. We'll catch up next week right here on Left Coast Sports with John Schaefer.